0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all-around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America,
1: welcome to the 49th ever show of a March Madness edition of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week, as well as report on my event of the week, which was the NFL annual meeting in Palm Beach, Florida. In a half hour, I will welcome our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Well, let's get started in the spirit of March Madness. Where my highlight of the week was covering last Saturday's Ohio State victory over Syracuse in the NCAA regional, Eastern Regional, up here at the Boston Garden, as the Buckeyes punched their ticket to the Final Four in New Orleans. The sheer joy of the Buckeyes in the postgame press conference and the locker room reminded me of why college sports continues to contain the most passion in all of sports. Seeing and listening to the unbridled excitement of OSU superstar Jared Sullinger, who clearly would not have traded this moment for the millions he could have been making in the NBA, and it was the perfect exclamation point to a wonderful weekend of March madness here in the Hub. And the affable Sullinger served warning in the post game presser that his Buckeyes are in New Orleans for a business trip, as he called it, not a vacation. So watch out for Ohio State if they get by Kansas tomorrow. They just might steal the spotlight and the title from the Kentucky Louisville winner, who have obviously dominated the Final Four hype thus far. My low light of the week is Frank McCourt walking away from the L.A. Dodgers sale with approximately $1 billion, with a B, dollars. After spending eight years damaging the Dodger brand to a degree really never before seen in sports, What a country we live in when you can use a once great franchise as a personal bank while taking it to a new low and then come out the other side with a billion dollars to boot. My bizarre story of the week is the possibility of Bill Parcells coaching the New Orleans Saints this year during Sean Payton's suspension. And I mean bizarre good, not bizarre bad. Just bizarre that it uh, seemingly came out of nowhere. I thought that ship had sailed with uh, Parcells' coaching career, but perhaps not. But one thing is for sure. The NFL is a better league with Bill Parcells involved. And his interaction with the media during his coaching days up here with the Patriots was truly among the highlights of my career covering the NFL. Also, I had the pleasure of interviewing Bill Parcells last year for a magazine article I was doing. And he was just absolutely fabulous to deal with. Obviously a great interview, so I'm a huge fan and hoping very much that he uh, gets back in the game, as they say. And this is the perfect lead-in to my event of the week that I covered, which was the NFL annual meetings in Palm Beach, Florida. There were two dominant themes at this spectacular event, the Saints with Bounty Gate and Parcells, and of course, Tebow Mania. Let's start with the Saints and Commissioner Roger Goodell articulating his view of Bountygate.
2: Well, with all due respect, there are a couple of issues. One is it's a violation of a very serious rule. Uh, we have made player health and safety very clear as a priority. I addressed it with owners, head coaches, general managers, and all of our personnel several times a year uh, during the process of. When this first was raised over two years ago, uh, the denials, uh, they frankly were not forthright into what was happening. And that continued. And it continued even through our investigation into the past several weeks. So uh, it's a serious violation of our policy. It's somebody has zero powers in the NFL. And it is not acceptable. To hide that, the issue, continue to violate NFL policy, put our players at risk. That's going to be dealt with very
1: harshly. <laughs> and sitting in front of Commissioner Goodell in his press conference uh, on Monday evening, which was the opening of the NFL annual meeting, he is not a happy guy with this whole New Orleans Saints bounty gate situation. Uh, As you just heard, he takes this very, very seriously, and I believe that once the player suspensions come down, they will be equally stiff as they were with Sean Payton being suspended for a year and a myriad of other uh, suspensions laid down in the wake of this scandal. And speaking of Sean Payton, uh... As I arrived for the NFC coaches' breakfast on Tuesday morning at the Breakers in Palm Beach, the hotel where the NFL annual meeting was held, as soon as I opened the uh, front door bright and early, the uh, main entrance of the lobby of the hotel, uh, there was a media throng extraordinaire surrounding Sean Payton, uh, right inside, literally, the front door of the hotel, and it was, uh, I've seen some big media throngs, but this is one of the biggest I've ever seen. And I've been there when Randy Moss and Albert Hainsworth uh, spoke to the media. First time they uh, arrived in Patriot's camp uh, during different years. And this was the equal to anything I have ever seen. And uh, needless to say, this was Sean Payton's inevitable inquisition. It had to happen, and uh, the questioning was hot and heavy as the suspended coach talked about his suspension, and here's what he had to
3: say. I think um, it's, it's unique in that it's, it's unprecedented, and so, you know, that I'm kind of one of those list guys, and so I've got a lot of to-do things right now specific to football and football operations, and it starts with the leadership, it starts with our staff, it's into the draft, it's into. Uh, our players, the off-season calendar, all of that has been laid out already. Uh, everything has been basically planned all the way up to the Hall of Fame game. Um, now, between now and then, though, there's there's a there's a lot of little things that uh, that I'll try to make sure we get covered and, and hand it over to our coaches so that uh, they have a pretty good understanding as to what I'm looking for. So-
1: And the Super Bowl-winning Peyton has uh, had quite a run in New Orleans. And uh, not to say it won't continue, but it's clearly going to get interrupted this year. And uh, he had this to say about the legacy he has built so far in the post-Katrina Crescent City. Um,
3: I think the the, the hardest thing is is the idea that this would possibly put a taint or tarnish the success we've had. And I think our players... Uh, feel that same way. Um, we've won 41 games in the last three years. That's hard to do. And, and that's done through hard work. It's done through discipline. It's done through execution. It's done through uh, having good football players that are uh, that are very coachable. And so when we found ourselves maybe in a two game losing streak or relocated because of you know, a, a hurricane, we found ourselves. You know, Kind of going through some tough times, uh, we've always responded well, so this is uniquely different. But but I do think that our players and our coaches uh, take that same response, and it starts with our guys that have been in the program for the, for the six years that we've been in
1: So obviously the uh, same situation gets more and more interesting by the day. As you probably have heard by now. Uh, Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, the GM, also suspended, uh, went up and played golf with Bill Parcells in Jupiter, Florida, where Parcells lives, and uh, talked to him about potentially becoming the coach. Jupiter is just right up the road, 20 minutes or so north of Palm Beach, and uh, so that's just going to be great to watch, uh, whether or not Bill Parcells takes the job and everything else that uh, will go along with that. Some other uh, leftovers from the NFL meeting uh, were basically there's a couple hundred media covering it, uh, truly the football world, the NFL world, descends each year for their annual meeting held in different places, and the breakers was uh, as impressive a place as you can possibly imagine to hold this meeting. Uh, What I consider the highlight is uh, the meeting gets going on Monday, on Tuesday morning, at 7.15 a.m. bright and early is the AFC coaches breakfast and on Wednesday morning again bright and early 7.15 a.m. is the NFC coaches breakfast and the way it is set up is uh, each coach sits at a round table with about eight or ten chairs and it's just wide open for the media to uh, to go up and talk with them and ask them questions So a lot of jumping from table to table Uh, it's Fabulous access. Uh, the NFL, as always, does it right and it lasts for an hour and is just really a terrific take. There's, there's nothing like it. And uh, to see every NFL coach uh, sitting in the room and, you know, very open and very uh, informal, shall we say, and you can really get into uh, some nice conversations with these coaches, it's absolutely wonderful. And then another highlight, of the annual meeting is on Monday night, Uh, they have a social event, a party, and this year it was outside at uh, the Breakers and overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, so it was just absolutely a spectacular setting, and everybody's there, from uh, coaches to owners, general managers, league executives, media, everybody's invited, and it is truly uh, one of the Top events of the year that I attend. And uh, again, just can't say enough about it. I uh, feel fortunate to to, enough to have been there. And uh, again, just a terrific event and something I hope to get to again in future years. So now, as my former co host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And on the other side will be some great sound bites from the NFL meeting, the coaches' breakfast specifically, regarding Tebow Mania.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
4: Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words... We want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports.
5: Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports.
1: Voice America
0: Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America,
1: welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, as you might have heard, Tim Tebow was traded from the Denver Broncos to the New York Jets. And some of the principals were on hand at the NFL annual meeting down in Florida. Starting with his new coach, Rex Ryan, who had this to say about Tim Tebow's impending competition with incumbent quarterback Mark Sanchez.
6: Yeah, I love, like, like Tim Tebow is an outstanding competitor, excellent football player. He just added a new player. I think when everybody sees them and gets around them, they'll see what we add. we added a good football player, and I think that's it, you know. But competition, I think, is like you know we worse you know we clearly have a starting quarterback. Mark Sanchez is our starting quarterback. But do they compete on the field? Absolutely. You always compete. Every day you compete on that field, and you know. It's just like I love my brother, but I would compete against him in baseball more than anybody. You know, be like, and I'd be happy for him. Hey, my brother was three for four. You know, I was only you know two for four, whatever. So generally, I was four, three for four, four for four. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> not really. I probably took the collar with three strikeouts, but. Um, but I think that's that's something that you do, it's like, oh, you know. I see my kid do it all the time with his best buddy, you know, in high school, they, all the time. They're like, you know, I got more RBIs. You know, his one buddy bats Cleveland, he bats third. He scores, he's like, oh, gosh, you know, I scored. They, they compete for who's got the more RBIs. You know, just anything like that, but it's a it's a great thing. You know, obviously it's it's a, a fun thing, it drives you and everything else, but... I just look at it. I want to have eleven great competitors pulling the same direction when we're on that field together, and I believe that's my job. That's what we're going to
1: have this year. I believe it in my heart. That's what we're going to have this year. And there's Rex Ryan talking about the pending quarterback competition down in Jetsland, and uh, as my listeners know, I'm based up here in Boston, long time. Patriot season ticket holder and around the team a lot. So not exactly a big fan of the Jets, uh, but Rex Ryan in a setting like this, uh, the AFC coach's breakfast where you can just pull up a chair at a table and listen to Rex talk, uh, is absolutely priceless. There's nothing like it. He's very likable in person. He really is. You just heard it. And now we're going to hear a little more talking about uh, how Rex suddenly has a plethora of quarterbacks to work with. Let's not forget Greg McElroy from who won the national championship at Alabama. And here's what Rex had to say about his quarterback situation.
6: Our quarterback situation now than I ever have since I've been here. I'm not trying to slight other guys. You know, we had Mark Brunell, is a tremendous quarterback. Well if we had him, obviously Mark was much older than he was in his prime. It would have been different, you know, but. It's I feel great about our quarterback situation. You've got two young quarterbacks both in one playoff game. You've had, you know, a young guy, Greg McElroy, who won a all he did was win, won a national championship, you know, undefeated in high school, won a national championship at the University of Alabama. You know, obviously made a statement I wish he wouldn't have made. He's still in my doghouse. But I'm excited about him. You know, this a young guy that
1: that you know, I think can develop awesome. And, again, uh, it's going to be so interesting down in New York, and uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more with Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post in the next segment. Uh, Barry's right there in midtown Manhattan, so he's going to bring us right up to date on, uh, on the New York angle of Tebow mania. And for every coach that gains an icon, like Rex Ryan just did, there's a coach that loses one. So let's listen to uh, Denver Bronco coach John Fox talk about Tim Tebow. You know, uh,
3: you know Tim's a wonderful young person. Uh, I think a great story in the National Football League. Uh, you know, great for our lead, uh, what he brings, you know, both on and off the field. But yeah, I mean, he, he, uh, he sparked our team, brought our team uh, to a division championship. and
1: and John Fox, uh, no surprise, taking the high road no matter what his views may or may not be on Tim Tebow. Uh, his life probably just got a little bit more simple with Peyton Manning now locked in as quarterback of the Denver Broncos and, uh... And Tebow now off to New York. And let me just say that John Fox uh, simply comes across as the nicest gentleman you could ever possibly encounter. He's just uh, a class act from start to finish, and it was a true pleasure sitting down listening to him talk about what's, uh, what's ahead for the Broncos. And they are sure to be one of the marquee franchises uh, in this year's NFL with Peyton Manning back in the game. And speaking of Peyton Manning, obviously the huge ripple effect of Manning signing with the Broncos uh, and then the aftermath, which uh, Tebow traded to the Jets, is reverberating throughout the NFL. And all coaches and teams are affected. And as you all know, I grew up near Pittsburgh, so I had to check in with uh, Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike Tomlin, and this is what he had to say about Tim Tebow now suddenly in his... uh, in this conference, but with a different team.
3: Except I said obviously this is just an educated guess. I hadn't followed that um, scenario very close, to be honest with you. Um, knowing Coach Ryan, being a defensive-minded coach, and we all got a respect for situational football, obviously that guy has a skill set that levels the playing field in uh, short yard and low line in situations such as that. Uh, we're talking about a guy that that can run the ball, and, and can run the ball between the tackles. Uh, is capable of moving power but at the same time he's a legitimate quarterback so um, situationally uh, that creates issues and problems and really gives the offense a leg up in some of those downs and distances And i imagine at least on the surface that that's could be a place where they could be, begin but again that's just speculation on and, then,
1: and who has a better perspective on tim tebow than mike tomlin since uh it was Tebow and the Broncos, who beat Tomlin and the Steelers in the divisional round of the playoffs on the memorable uh, overtime pass of 80 yards, uh, that brought the game to a sudden halt, shall we say, and uh, and allowed the it ended the Steelers' season, uh, and allowed the Broncos to continue the next week into Foxborough, where the Patriots trounced them, and Tebow mania came to an end, at least for this past year, but uh, as we all know, it's really just beginning because it's about to go to the next level in New York City. And another interesting thing about the NFL annual meeting uh, was, you know, the NFL continues to bring in fans to events that were formerly open just to the media, such as Media Day on Tuesday of Super Bowl week. I was there at the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis for media day when there was a few thousand fans and uh, really brought a different dynamic to it. And the NFL continues uh, down this path, which I think is terrific. Uh, And this week they took it a step further where they brought four fans inside an owner's meetings, owner's meetings, sessions typically not open to the media, and they brought these four fans in for a once-in-a-lifetime interactive experience to discuss what's good and what's not from the fans' perspective. And after that two-, three-hour session uh, on uh, Monday afternoon, this is what Commissioner Roger Goodell had to say about the session with the fans.
2: Raise your hand back up. There you go. There's four of these, 19. Uh, it was the first time we did it. It was something we discussed several weeks ago because you'll see in our opening session one of the key points that I made and our staff made this morning was the general uh, group. He said that's one of our keys going forward, uh, respecting our fans, valuing our fans, listening to our fans, and making sure that we're responsible to what they, what they are interested in. It's not just providing more access and more information. It's, it's they care about the game, and they have a very important perspective. We heard that. They did a terrific job of articulating themselves. They each had a very strong view. They heard some perspective back from many of the owners, coaches, and general managers, commissioners. and uh, I thought it was a terrific. Uh, experience for our clubs and i heard a lot of great reaction from our folks walking out will we change it going forward likely Uh, we always like to think we can do things better but it was a it was a a great first step for us but i'll let them speak to it i think they're going to come up they're going to have their four moment a few minutes
1: and indeed the fans did come up to the podium the media interacted with them and uh And they were great, needless to say, they were still walking on air, as any good sports fan or NFL fan would be, uh, having just spent literally the previous hour or two in a room with NFL owners, very anxious to get their opinion, completely interactive from everything that was described, and, uh, you know, it was just... Terrific to talk to these fans, and uh, you know, they bring uh, a, a great perspective. I myself am a fan every Sunday for a Patriots home game when I uh, sit in the stands as a season ticket holder, so it's good to bring that perspective. Uh, the in game experience is so important to the NFL, it's really one of the top topics as to what's going to keep uh, fans coming to games in person and keep them engaged. So, uh, again, the NFL. As always, out on the leading edge of uh, of fan engagement and having their player their fans involved in the game, treating them like they did in Palm Beach, uh, making them feel special, and I, I, it's just a, a, a wonderful thing. Uh, another thing they did out of Super Bowl week was, you know, they had the fans uh, up on Radio Row which was pretty neat as well, and uh, so yeah, so they just simply know how to do it, needless to say, and it's just a, uh, a revolutionary approach that again, the NFL, the leader in revolutionary approaches as far as involving fans, welcoming the media as they did this week, uh, that's why they're the NFL, and it's just simply a wonderful thing, and I feel really fortunate To uh, have the experience of covering the NFL up close and personal. So, with that said, it's time for our break. And joining me next will be our weekly call in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports.
1: America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go you're not going to be shy here tune in to here's the deal with mega and steel featuring ike mega griffin and sydney steel justice we've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every friday at 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern just before the weekend on the voice america sports channel we tell it like it is the
4: job of a professional athlete is never complete
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net This is your host John Inglesby and on the line now is our weekly call-in expert Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post and welcome Barry Uh, Lynn Sanity has now been replaced by Tim Sanity in the Big Apple as the Tebow Circus comes to town and uh, how's Manhattan reacting to the arrival of Tim Tebow? Well
7: it's it's kind of funny because you know it, you know when, when it, 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 the whole thing just seemed just just kind of surreal really because you know the Jets had just given Mark Sanchez the you know a nice contract extension you know after you know admitting that they had been you know kicking the tires on Peyton Manning uh, once once it was, became apparent that they were out of the running for Peyton. The Jets turned around and said, "Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna make this up up to Mark because you know he we we've kind of you know maybe slide in a little bit, maybe felt you know wasn't feeling the love there from the Jets. So they give him the contract discussion. Then they turn around and trade for Tim Tebow. So it was, it, I'm not quite sure what I don't know. I, I wasn't really quite sure what they were thinking. Uh, you know, I, there, there seemed to be more um, logical places for Tebow to go. I mean, obviously, you know." his hometown of Jacksonville kind of jumped out as 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 a destination. They were looking for a quarterback, um, uh, even though they had Blaine Gabbard, but you know, certainly they would have embraced Tebow there. Uh the Dolphins, you know, another team that was spurned for, for Peyton Manning, you know, obviously uh Tim Tebow extremely popular in Florida, obviously. So, you know, those both seemed like good fits. And then, you know, once once it became apparent that the Jets were gonna be the winners there, you know, Grant didn't give up very much, a couple draft picks Ash, but it just seems very strange that you know why would they? And I'm still not you know even after all all the um, all the commentary and everything else, it's, you know it's just kind of strange that the Jets would be the one to kind of you know make that move for Tebow and uh, you know they, they were very quick to say that they they'd look at Tebow more as a football player uh, than a quarterback. Uh, you know, which would you know kind of uh, you know point the way to maybe. You know, a lot of, your wildcat things, you know, maybe special teams, uh, maybe, you know, lining up in the slot, you know, all these different things, you know, 15, 20 plays a game. Uh, and then, you know, uh, during a, a, a conference call, the Jets GM, Mike Tannenbaum, told the media that, well, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're not, we're not saying that he's definitely going to be a backup. So, you know, it's it just, to me, it just opens up a whole, a whole can of worms. I mean, you know what's going to happen, right? I mean, the first time, uh, Sanchez struggles in a game. Uh and you know, let's face it, you know, the, the the Jets are not the were not the, the best team in the league last year. Uh you know, they had an offensive line issues, they had issues with the, their older receivers, uh, they had issues in the running game, there's a lot of a lot of positive issues with them and I think Sanchez was playing hurt part of the year too. So, you know, the first time that there's a that that there's going to be a struggle for for with Sanchez, the fans are going to be screaming for Tebow. So I don't know. Uh, it just it just seems to be a very strange, a strange move by the Jets. You know, as we know the you know, the Jets are, are are the type of franchise that you know likes to make uh, make a lot of uh, splashes and lots make 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 a lot of noise and, and and you know talk talk. But meanwhile, you know, the other team in New York, the Giants, are winning Super Bowl. So you know, it it's just it, to me, the whole thing, and still, you know, it, it, it still seems, seems to be a very strange fit. Like, uh, like a, I'm, I'm not sure it's the right fit for him. You know, even though you know New York is the media capital, but I, I just don't know if the New York fan is the kind of fan that will embrace Tim Tebow. I, I just don't don't get that feel that it was just it was a great move for the Jets. I, I just I'm not feeling it. So you know, I, I could be proven wrong. You know, if, if anything happens to Sanchez. Ebo plays quarterback. Who knows? You might, you know, Ebo may come East. But it's it's been crazy. There's been a lot of uh, attention, obviously. But I, again, I'm I'm just not feeling that it was that tremendous move for the Jets. I mean, I will tell. But uh, again, I'm, I'm I'm just not feeling it myself.
1: Wow, interesting perspective. Needless to say. uh... Well, you know, the Jets are no strangers to uh, doing things a little differently, shall we say. So, this is going to be great to watch. And, Barry, as we've uh, seemed to be doing recently, uh, we've been getting, fortunately, breaking news occurring during our show. And it's a perfect fit for uh, last segment when I was playing sound bites from Sean Payton. Uh, on his suspension, and Roger Goodell talking about Bounty Gate, and it just came over the wire moments ago that Sean Payton is going to appeal his suspension, which, frankly, I find a little mystifying in that the person who gave him the suspension, Roger Goodell, is the person who will decide the appeal. So I'm a little surprised only in that Sean Payton... Seemed contrite as I stood in front of him uh, at the breakers in Palm Beach the other day during the annual and NFL annual meeting. And uh, I guess the appeal thing, it just must something. It must be something that's just automatic. That, you know, if you get a suspension, you appeal it. Because if ever there's an appeal that's not going anywhere, it's this one. And anybody who heard my Roger Goodell soundbite in the opening segment knows it's not going anywhere. What are your thoughts? Right.
7: Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think, I, yeah, I think you're right in the sense that you know anytime there is there is a suspension of this magnitude, and obviously we've never seen one of this magnitude in the NFL ever. Um, you know, it it, it it is kind of part parcel for for the uh, the, the penalized party to appeal. I think it, I think you're probably right; it is kind of automatic. But again, knowing that you know he be his appeal would be with Roger Goodell. It, it seems the chances. Yeah, you know, somewhere between uh, none and none would, would, right. would be the hopes of, of this well being sad. overturned. Yet, so I, I think that yeah, it, 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 it's not going to happen. And um, interesting that they would choose attack to try to appeal after you know after all the after all the evidence and after all the you know everything that's gone down. Um, yeah, I would agree with that, and, you know, and I think it's very intriguing. You know, listening to the possibility of you know Bill Parcells perhaps coming out of retirement. Uh, to coach the Saints for a season. Um, you know, obviously, Parcells and Peyton have a history. They're very close. Uh, Payton was, uh, was a, uh, assistant coach when Parcells was with the Giants, you know, years ago, and they, they've been very close with the Cowboys, of course. Um, same arrangement. So, they have a long history. Uh, you know, apparently, uh, Payton and Parcells, uh, met, uh, over a round of golf. Few days ago, and discussed the possibility. And uh, ESPN was reporting this morning that the, that Parcells said he would consider it if he if the Saints asked him. So you know, so there, so that they're, 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 the door seems to be open for that to happen. It would be very interesting uh, for you know Parcells to come out of retirement and you know uh, one last hurrah, you know, for for a guy that we thought was was done with coaching and you know kind of stepping away and being being uh, a private citizen. It would be. Very, very interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, if if uh, if Parcells chooses to do this, let you know, uh, From everything we're seeing, the door does appear open. Does appear to be open, uh, at least from a Parcells' point of view.
1: Well, I think it's fantastic, Barry. Uh, you know, the NFL is a better place, as I said in the opening segment. If Bill Parcells is involved in it, uh, you know, I, I I didn't think there was. None of us ever thought there would be a possibility of him coaching again, I don't think, despite the fact he has sort of retired and come back in the past. But I I, I think we all thought the ship had sailed. But the situation is just so unique. Uh, It it almost appears like, you know, like Peyton is like a son to Parcells. He he just seems to have genuine affection for him far above, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, Peyton worked with him at during his days at the Cowboys and uh but you know, the the key here is, you know, Parcells is uh and I mean this in the most positive way possible, is an opportunist and he knows a good opportunity when he sees one. And the Saints are indeed a good opportunity. I mean it just it puts the Saints right back in the game if he takes that job. Whereas frankly, before his name was had surfaced, you know, I was thinking, you know, that the Saints were potentially headed for maybe a decade or so of, you know, uh, a downturn, the fallout from this. But when you have Drew Brees as your quarterback in this quarterback-driven league and, uh, you know, a team that's been in the uh, perennial playoff team, obviously the Super Bowl champs a couple of years ago, ourselves uh, would be the perfect guy to, ke- to keep the uh, – Fire stoked, shall we say, for the next year. And I think a one year term, if you will, is just exactly the kind of thing that Parcells uh, might leap into.
7: Yeah, I, I, compl- I totally agree with that. I mean, let's face it, if, 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 this, if, this were, uh, if this had happened to say the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, there, there wouldn't be having this conversation. But the fact that it is the New Orleans Saints, a team that you know, is, is you know, one of the top teams in the NFC, if not the NFL. Um, you know, obviously, with all the talent they have, you know, yeah, it's a it's a great fit for Parcells to come back. And you know, if, you're, if and if, if number one, if for, for any coach to step into that kind of situation for a year, yeah, of course, I think I think just about any coach that worked that would be considered for that would would really think, you know, what this is them? You know, why not do it? You know, there's no there's no reason not to really.
5: And you know,
7: and and for Parcells, I mean, you know, for. A, a guy like Parcells, I mean, there's very few guys that has have the gravitas and have have the reputation uh, of being able to step into a situa- situation like that and be successful. Parcells is one of those guys, and you know, the instant respect, instant uh, you know, uh, raising the level. Um, you know, you bring uh, you know, you bring Bill Parcells into a situation like that, you know, it's it, it's serious. That's big time. So um yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be. I agree. I think it'll be a tremendous fit. And it will be uh, very exciting and very interesting to see
1: it happen. Yes, it will be. And my final thought as we head towards break would simply be: Parcells, being Parcells, and someone who you know will only take this, I think, if the opportunity is really perfect or as perfect it can be, given Bounty Gate and the fallout. Uh, anxious to see if Parcells would want to wait and see on the player suspensions or if there will be suspensions before he takes it uh that to me could be a major factor i mean if they're going to be bringing the hammer down like they did on Peyton on some of these players and i think they will such as jonathan vilma is the first one obviously that comes to mind uh it could give parcells pause needless to say uh if there could be a lot of player suspensions who knows it could be massive fines but parcells that's that's a question parcells is going to want is going to ask, obviously, and, uh, so, with that said, uh, let's go to our break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little Final Four. The
6: opening kickoff is a beauty. It's
5: a fly ball deep. Voice America Sports Network. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game.
0: back to the show
1: voice america welcome back to the fourth and final segment of all around sports and back on the line with us is barry rubenstein from the new york post and barry uh i was just watching moments ago on espn uh practice live from the mercedes superdome in new orleans uh And I had the pleasure uh, last weekend of covering the NCAA Eastern Regional up here in Boston, where obviously I watched Ohio State punch their ticket to the Final Four. And uh, what do you think of the Final Four? Ohio State's not the marquee game tomorrow. Kentucky, Louisville—it's huge. Yeah,
7: it's funny. You know, you got the you know team like Ohio State, which is one, one of the best teams in college troops all season. You know, playing against Kansas, another perennial power. Really, nobody's talking about that, that game. The, the game everybody's talking about is Kentucky-Louisville. You know, you, got, you know, the, the the Kentucky's pretty much been the consensus number one all season. Uh, you know, Louisville, a traditional great program. Uh, a lot of parallels here. I mean, I think uh, you know, with both teams, you have really talented uh, freshmen who are team leaders. You know, uh, likely one-and-done guys who are, who are your know, top players for those teams. You have two of the top iconic coaches in college basketball history. Uh, on cal Perry, two guys that, that, that are, are very similar in a lot of ways, very, very strong personalities, uh, guys who are, are the gods on their respective, uh, respective college campuses, guys who have similar backgrounds, who were very close at one time, not so much now, there's been a lot of, uh, their relationship has, has, has had a major falling out, uh, uh, you know, over, over recent, over, over recent times, uh, guys who, you know, struggled as coaches in the NBA for different reasons, uh, going back to college and, and have been supremely successful. Um I, it, it's very compelling for a lot of reasons and, you know, I, I, I just think it, 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 it's too bad that that game can't be the national championship at this point because then it would, it would be a, it would be a no-brainer for, you know, one of the top sporting events of the year, I think. But the fact that it will be a semifinal, it, that still doesn't take away from the fact that I, I think it should be a great game. Kentucky probably is a little too strong for Louisville. Uh, although, who knows? You know, that's why they play the game. If we all knew how we are going to turn out, then, uh, you know, everybody would be still be alive in their bracket and everybody would have a chance to, to win. So, you know, uh, you, you'd have four-number-one, and everybody would be picking four-number-one for the, the final four. Uh, so, you know, that, that's why we play the game. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a great game, and, uh, you know, certainly all the attention has gone toward, uh, you know, Kentucky, Louisville for those reasons. And, uh, you know, I, 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 do think Kentucky probably is a stronger team.
1: Yes, I think you're right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, needless to say, my pick of the weekend for the appointment viewing is the final for tomorrow, obviously. Uh, to me, you know, tomorrow's national semifinals, this time featuring four power programs is on the short list of, uh, the best days in American sports, and I think kicking it off with Kentucky and uh, Louisville is going to be just spectacular. Uh, And then, you know, for dessert, we get uh, Ohio State-Kansas, which, you're right, would under any other circumstances would be a huge, huge matchup to be talked about incessantly. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, I would say obviously kentucky has more talent but louisville right now is on a serious roll, and i'm a big believer in hot teams go in the postseason uh potentially having the ability to just run through it and win it all and uh you know calipari and patino i mean to me they almost look like brothers they're almost like clones of each other in so many ways and uh you know their careers have you know intertwined obviously patino Won a national championship at Kentucky. Both have UMass connections. Uh, I, I just think it's a great matchup, and most of all, you know, college basketball and, and football are coaches' sports versus the NBA, which obviously is a player sport. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, you know. Kentucky's got to be very wary of Louisville. I was listening to Colin Cowherd of uh, ESPN Radio, who really made a good point yesterday uh, talking about how, you know, Patino and Louisville seem loose and Calipari and Kentucky seem like they're feeling the pressure. So uh, I think that bears watching. and, And then the other point, let's take a moment and talk about, you know, Ohio State and Kansas I mean I watched Ohio State win their two games up here in Boston and they have the they have what I consider to be you know the best player in the country watching Jared Sullinger was truly a joy and uh he has a personality to match his game very likable young man and uh again marquee matchup what are your thoughts on that game
7: I, you know, again, you know, like you said, So is a terrific player and, you will probably be a very good NBA player. Um and, but, you know, listen, you know, Kansas is, has been here many times before and, you know, it, it is a very interesting dynamic that you have, you know, as we, you know, mentioned a few minutes ago, two teams that, you know, Ohio State's been, you know, right there all season among the best in the country and Kansas perennially. You know, when you think of college basketball, great college basketball program. Kansas is always you know, in your in in your top handful of teams that programs that uh, you know you're always look to emulate. So you know, the fact that you have two teams of this caliber, you know, playing you know for to get a shot in the national championship game in a game that really has not gotten a lot of a lot of attention so far is is just a very very odd and very unusual dynamic. So you know, really all all the you know we mentioned all the pressure on Kentucky really, and you know not that much pressure on Louisville as you just mentioned. I agree with that. And you know, a whole lot of focus on this other game. But even though you have two, two wonderful teams, so uh, yeah, it is. It is kind of funny the way it's uh, the way it's shaking out. Uh, but I would expect to see if I you know, if I were to, to predict right now, I would say you know, Kentucky and Ohio State in the final, and uh, Kentucky probably winning the whole thing.
1: I think you're right. I tend to agree with that as well. Uh... Although again, you know, I'm a little having watched Ohio State, I'm a little partial to them. And uh, you know, another maybe the best matchup tomorrow is going to be Sullinger against uh, you know the Kansas big men, and uh, I mean that's just going to be priceless. Needless to say. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's
7: uh, it'll be it'll be something to watch. and you know, I think uh, everybody. And the way it works out is that Kentucky-Louisville will be the first game. Ohio State-Kansas will be the nightcap. So it'll almost be like, yeah. You know, I think the place will still be buzzing from uh, you know Superdome. Must be buzzing from the first game when that second game uh, tips off. So it'll be, uh, that will be interesting to watch.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, Thomas Robertson is also a beast from Kansas. And I just think he and Sullinger is just going to be an absolute. Fabulous matchup, needless to say. But, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, it's just something I can't wait to see. And, uh, yeah, there's just so much stuff going on, you know, this weekend. I mean, with the uh, Major League Baseball also getting underway, it's kind of a weird set of circumstances, needless to say, on how they – Open the season in Japan with a game on tape delay. How odd was that?
7: Yeah, that was that, that that was strange. And you know, usually, you know, when when the teams open up in Japan, it just it just it, it doesn't seem like you have this much of a gap in between for the rest of the regular season. I don't know that it was really necessary to do. Um, you know, I don't know what you know, especially with the Final Four going on, with the, you know all, all the NBA stuff, with uh, you know Tiger Woods, the big story this week. Um, I, I think that the, the baseball was kind of kind of forgotten about. You know, you, you know maybe that is due to do with the fact that you had uh, you know two teams open in Seattle that don't have a lot of don't have a huge Q rating with the general public. You know, if it's, you know, I think it would be a lot different to say if it had been Yankees, Red Sox opening in Japan. It would have been much different. But you know, that being said, yeah, I, I think uh, you know, for, for for from a PR point of view, it seems like baseball always finds a way to shoot itself in the foot and. Uh, I think
1: it happened again. it did. I had no idea the game was even happening until it like literally happened. I forget if I heard you know they're opening the season tomorrow in Japan on tape delay or if I heard it before or after the game, it didn't really matter. Right. uh but you know how they could not put that game on the m l b network is is utterly beyond me. I mean, isn't that why you have your own network so you can do something? out of the ordinary, like, you know, put a game on at whatever, 3 a.m. or whatever time it would have been on live. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't I, believe it.
7: Yeah, it's strange. I mean, you know, I think obviously the reason why they chose those two teams is because of, you know, you're obviously you have uh, Ichiro playing for Seattle, you know, uh, obviously the Japanese fans, you know, remember him, and we you know, would watch. Uh, but, yeah, I think they might have been better off if they had, you know, something more traditional, like, you know, say Dodgers-Giants. Yeah, you know, that might have been that might have sort up more interest. Um, you know, two iconic franchises. Or you know, if they wanted to really, really do it up, you know, maybe they could have done Yankees, Red Sox, and that would have been that would have been spectacular. And then you know, that would have been something that people would be talking about. But you know, the fact that it was you know Seattle and Oakland, you know, that 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 barely registered a flip on the radar, in my opinion, with all the other stuff going on in the world of sports right now.
1: Well, that's. That's it, Barry. They, they took the path of least resistance and took the, sent the two teams that were the geographic closest to Japan. And Barry, hard to believe, we're at the end of another show. And, uh, thank you for joining me. And as always, thank you, Voice America, for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern
0: Time.